Hi guys, welcome. This is episode one of This Book Should Be a Movie. I'm your host, Dee Dee. Let's uh, jump right in. Welcome. Uh, you might be wondering, why did I decide to do this? I decided to do this because I worked in education for 10 years and I have read my fair share of kids' books. And in those 10 years, there have been a lot that I've picked up and gone, man, this would have made a great TV show or this would make a great movie. And you know, the same stuff gets made over and over and over again, and I feel like kids nowadays are getting smarter, and they want to be challenged, and I feel like a great way to do that is to find things that are unique and different, and the best way to do that is sometimes to find stories that were written, you know, a long time ago that people didn't look at and think, oh, okay, this would make a great movie, because, you know, in the 60s or the 70s even, they didn't look at media the same way that we look at it now. And so I feel like there's so many things, and when I say things, I mean stories and treasures out there that you can just, you know, hidden treasures that you can look for. Uh, I enjoy looking at Goodwills, yard sales, estate sales, there there are lots and lots of avenues to find used books. Uh, Your library is a really great source. If you have a librarian that likes to hang on to books, those are a great place to find those kind of older hidden treasure books. Um, But we're not just going to talk about old books on this podcast. We're going to talk about new books too that, you know, and why I think, you know, they would make great movies and TV shows and entertainment. Honestly, I just want to spread my love of literacy and, uh, you know, just talk about this and use this platform to encourage reading because I feel like it's important to read, put down the phones and read sometimes, you know, there's nothing like holding a book and smelling the pages and turning those pages and getting excited about literacy. Uh, I do want to warn you though, that when you look for books at the Goodwill or anywhere else and they were written before a certain time you have to remember that there are things in there that you know might spark conversation and I encourage you to have those conversations with your children because I feel like sometimes we have a hard time thinking of how to explain things and books are a really great resource and they kind of explain it in a way for you if you do it right so just you know, be prepared for that. Sometimes <laughs> they're, they're sexist themes or they use words that were okay in one time and not okay now. So just prepare yourself for that. And if you aren't such a delicate flower, you know, it's really going to be a great way to just have those conversations with your children. So what do I hope to gain from this? Uh, I hope to gain from this, uh, honestly just spreading my love of literacy to children and (laughs) I've been wanting to do this for a long time so really I just hope to gain some listeners and possibly maybe one day in the future a job finding books that would make great movies I don't know if that kind of a job exists but that would be amazing because honestly I I feel like Indiana Jones when I go to the thrift stores or estate sales (laughs) I can spot a goodwill from 50 miles away anyway you don't want to hear about that I want to go ahead and talk about what this show is going to entail. This show is going to entail uh, me reading a book. I'm going to talk about the author, the year it came out, where I found it, why I think it would make a great movie. Uh, We're going to talk about the themes of it. I'm going to read the story. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about my dream cast. So who would I want to play the certain characters in the movie? So that is what this show is going to entail. Thank you.
Okay, so the first episode is going to be called uh, The City Adventures of Marmalade Jim. This is a story that I found at a library sale in Ojai, California. It is by an author named Alan Stilto, and it was written in 1967. This would make a great movie because it's a story about friendship. It's a story about sticking it out when things get tough and standing up and advocating for yourself. And it's got a little bit of action, a little bit of adventure. It has, uh, since it's from England, it has some words that you might not have ever heard before. The word lorry comes up several times. That means truck. And they also use the word dustbin, which means trash can. Just for those listeners that might not be familiar with, you know, the Queen's English. So let's go ahead and get started. One morning, Marmalade Jim sat watching the farmer's men loading the lorry with boxes of fat green lettuces. He sat idly by, licking his paws. A mouse moved on the topmost box of the lorry. He was old enough to know what a mouse was and leapt nimbly after it. Take the lettuces off to market, the farmer called. Up went the back of the lorry. Bang went the doors the driver climbed in. The engine roared and the wheels slowly turned. Marmalade Jim noticed none of this, being busy chasing the mouse between sack bags and the lettuce boxes. By the time the mouse was caught and eaten, the lorry was traveling at a great speed along a tree-lined road. Marmalade Jim poked his head over the side and drew back, frightened. The lorry was taking him at full speed away from the farmyard he knew so well. stopped and the strange noises were bewildering to a young cat like Marmalade Jim. He leapt to the ground, trembling in every paw. He wondered why he had left that snug box set behind the barn door where his brothers and sisters played in the country air and sun. He looked at legs and feet moving about, shrinking back at people shouting and other lorries driving up and down. A boot of some passerby almost descended on top of him. He saw the shadow of it in time and scampered out of the way. All day long, he hid behind a pillar, and when it grew dark, he walked down a street, leaping from doorway to doorway when lights shone too brightly. The smells and noises of city streets no longer seemed strange, and now he walked in the middle of the pavement. He had learned to keep out of the way of wheels and feet, but he was hungry. He sadly missed the supper-time plates of bread and milk set out for the farmyard cats, not to mention the mice he sometimes caught. He turned into a long, dark alleyway to look for food. A hole at the bottom of a gate led into a garden. The wind blew a leaf across his paws, and he pounced on it, but it didn't taste good. A last year's leaf blown out of a gutter, so he let it go. smell food. Fish, in fact. He walked slowly towards the smell, his short white whiskers turning up and down. He stopped, for by the side of a dustbin was a huge, gray, ugly, one-eyed cat with a long, crooked, well-bitten tail. The cat stopped eating and looked up with a fierce scowl. What do you want? A share of your supper, 
Marmalade Jim said. Do you know who I am? laughed the cat. Marmalade Jim went no closer. I don't, he said softly. The big, ugly cat laughed again and chewed more of his kipper. You're a stranger, aren't you? You don't know this district very well, do you? No, I thought you didn't. He went on chewing. You're up from the country, I suppose. Marmalade Jim wanted to run away, but he still hoped for a bite of kipper. Who are you then? He asked in a sociable voice. The cat crunched another bone between his wicked teeth. I'm Dustbin Dan, he said. The boss of the alley cat gang. That's who I am, youngin. And if you think you're going to get a share of my supper, you're wrong. At the sound of such kipper crunching, Marmalade Jim became hungrier and hungrier. Just one bite, was all he asked. Dustbin Dan wasn't an easy cat to get on with. First of all, you have to join my gang. Then I'll tell you where to get a kipper all to yourself. One of my boys. Yes, cried a dozen cat voices. And Marmalade Jim shivered with fear as he looked around. On every side were members of Dustbin Dan's swivel-eyed gang. They were an ugly lot. Fiercer cats than Jim had ever seen. He didn't want to fall in with such a pack of scratch faces, but the kipper smelt so sweet and tender that he said, What will I have to do when I'm in your gang? Another terrible laugh from Dustbin was echoed faithfully by all his cronies. Ha ha ha! What will you have to do? Why, we'll teach you to take off a dustbin lid without making a noise. We'll show you how to kidnap canaries without opening their cages. You'll learn how to snatch sticks and chops from butcher shops and carry milk bottles away from doorsteps, won't he, boys? Now, all this talking couldn't be done unless Dustbin Dan stopped eating. He even took his paws away from the kipper. Before he'd finished saying, won't he, boys, Marmalade Jim leapt forward. the remaining half-kipper in his mouth and ran out of the garden. He fled up the alley, Dustbin Dan and his gang so close behind that their sharp teeth and claws were always nipping his tail. Marmalade Jim had chased field mice at the farm, had raced rats the size of himself, so he went faster than Dustbin Dan and his henchmen. Up in the alley, along a street over the railway line, through a tunnel, and into another garden, where, having less been... Jim had chased field mice at the farm, had raced rats the size of himself, so he went faster than Dustbin Dan and his henchmen. Up the alley, along a street, over the railway line, through a tunnel, and into another garden, where having left Dustbin Dan's gang behind, he sat down to eat his half-kipper. He finished his tasty meal, and while licking his paw, saw another cat walking from the shadows of the gooseberry bush. Was it one of Dustbin's gang? He drew back into the shadow. The cat came closer. No, it was a mild-looking pale cat, not much older than Marmalade Jim himself. Good evening, the cat said, sitting down nearby. Well, this was polite anyway. He had certainly got no good evening from the dustbin Dan lot. Good evening, Marmalade Jim said. Who are you? The cat shook his head sadly. 
a foreigner, he answered. I'm a Persian cat, if you want to know. Marmalade Jim didn't know what to make of this. I'm Marmalade Jim. The farmer's daughter gave me that name as soon as I was born. I don't need to tell you why. I come from the country this morning on a lorry by mistake, so I suppose I'm a stranger too. But I'm not sad. You would be if you had my troubles. My name's Silvermuff, by the way. Silly, isn't it? But it's not my fault. Marmalade Jim found him a likable cat. So what's your trouble then? He asked. My master thinks I'm a softie, Silvermuff told him, because food gets stolen out of the larder every night by Raider Rat, who's the biggest rodent robber in town, by the way, and I haven't been able to catch him. If I could, my master would like me more, and even Dustbin Dan might be afraid of me, and after that, because I hear that he sidles off when Raider Rat's name is mentioned. Well, Marmalade Jim said, rubbing his nose, I'll help you catch Raider Rat. Silver Muff gave a cry of friendliness. Would you really? Yes, said Marmalade Jim, throwing his chest out, and they shook paws on it. Raider Rat was an infamous rat, a black-nosed marauding rodent with a list of crimes to his credit, such as kitten snatching, rabbit mauling, terrorizing hens and hamsters, and even grown-up cats, and in general plundering any food supply he happened to come across. He was wanted dead or alive by every law-abiding cat in town, and even those who weren't so law-abiding, like the Dustbin Dan clan. Marmalade Jim sat the whole night with Silvermuff trying to think of a way to finish off Raider Rat. He only comes out at night, Silvermuff told him. Whenever I wait for him in one place, he uses another way to break into the house. I've only seen him a few times, and I can never catch him. He has so many hiding places, not to mention a skeleton key that fits every lock. He's altogether too fast and crafty for me. But Marmalade Jim had a plan. Cheese is what rats like most of all. I always thought so, said Silvermuff. Well then, all we really need to do is slow him down a bit. Then we've got him. When daylight came, Marmalade Jim walked around the house seven times, noting the places where a rodent of Raider Rat's size might enter it. In the meantime, Silvermuff invited him to share his food. He also showed him the sights of the town that were interesting to a cat on holiday from the country. The fish market and the meat market were the most important, then the dairy and the backyards of the grocer shops. Outside a vegetable warehouse, Jim saw the lettuce lorry. That, he said, comes from our farm. I rode in on it yesterday. I've seen it before, said Silvermuff. In fact, I see it here every morning. That's what I mean, said Marmalade Jim. I can go back to my farm whenever I wish. Meaning now, said Silvermuff, hoping he wouldn't. Not yet, he said to his friend, having promised to help him finish off Raider Rat. rat nosed his way into the garden on the next black night, unseen by anyone except Marmalade Jim and Silvermuff. He zigzagged with great speed towards the kitchen door, then went into the house. He made fearful noises in the larder. Marmalade Jim and Silvermuff could hear him. How long do you think he'll be? Silvermuff called. Not so loud, Marmalade Jim hissed, setting the cheese in the Raider Rat's track. The longer he's in the house, the better for us. Then he'll have eaten so much, he won't be able to run fast. 
A shadow appeared by the kitchen door. Raider Rat was coming back, a pork pie under one arm as he sped across the lawn. Halfway to the gooseberry bush, he stopped and sniffed. Cheese. He turned his head this way and that. He suspected a trap. Many of his friends had been caught in this way. Nevertheless, cheese was cheese. He left his pie and went towards it, nose to the ground. Marmalade Jim sprang first. Got you, he cried. At last, shouted Silver Muff. And that was the end of Raider Rat. spread quickly from cat to cat. Marmalade Jim did it! How clever, some said. How brave, others cried. Only one cat snapped his teeth in a very alarming way, angry that someone else should become so famous in the cat kingdom. And that was Dustbin Dan. He strode up and down in his hideout, smoking a sawn-off pipe. We've got to get Marmalade Jim, he roared, kicking a rabbit bone out of the way. Several of his gang sat around on sugar bags playing cards. But how? one asked. We'll sneak up on him, Dustbin Dan cried, and tie him up, and then we'll throw him over the bridge and into the river. Which sounded to the rest of his gang like a very funny thing to do. Marmalade Jim had spent all morning fighting a sunbeam until he got tired and fell asleep in the warmth of it. A yellow butterfly flew over him, which showed the alley cat gang just how fast asleep he was. "'Closer!' Dustbin Dan hissed between his ragged teeth. "'Get closer before you pounce!' His cutthroat cats edged nearer. "'Now!' yelled Dustbin Dan, and a dozen alley cats jumped on Marmalade Jim. They tied him up and carried him to their hideout. Silvermuff came up in time to see them bearing him away. He heard his friends shouting for help and crying out that Dan and his alley cats were bullies and that he'd fight them one at a time, or even two at a time if they'd untie him.' But Dustbin Dan laughed. They carried him into Dan's den and deft <laughs> and left him lying on a pile of dusty old kipper bones and bird's feathers. Everyone played cards and hardly looked in his direction. We'll take him out in the morning, Dustbin Dan guffawed. When it's nice and early and when we'll throw him into the river where it's nice and cold. Marmalade Jim watched them feeding on supper on a leg of stolen ham. One by one the gang went to sleep. The only one who stayed awake was someone who couldn't be seen, and that was Silvermuff. He crept up quietly to Marmalade Jim and began to chew through the stream. You helped me to kill Raider Rat, he said, and now I'll help you to get away from Dustbin Dan. But it wasn't so easy to chew through the stream. It was hard work and slow, and he had to stop now and again because one of Dan's gang opened his eyes to look around the cave. Silvermuff was almost seen once. Then he chewed again. By the time it got light, he still hadn't finished, though there was only the thinnest thread holding Marmalade Jim's paws and feet together. Dustbin Dan stood up and stretched himself, arms akimbo and stout legs bowed. All right, boys, let's take Marmalade Jim to the bridge and throw him in the river. The gang carried Jim out of the den. They went through the many alleyways until they came to the bridge. The sun was shining now. Quick about it, Dan roared. One cat took Marmalade Jim's paws and one took his feet. Ready, boys, Dustbin shouted, grinning widely. One, they swung Jim back. Two, forward and back. Three, ow, ow. Marmalade Jim snapped the string and hit Dustbin Dan twice on the nose. 
He was free. Stop him! Dustbin Dan cried. Those who also received, those who tried, also received a punch on the nose. Marmalade Jim and Silver Muff, who had been waiting nearby, ran as fast as they could away from the river with a string of howling alley cats behind them. People sprang out of the way. Women dropped shopping baskets and cried out in fear because all the cats of the town seemed to have gone mad. Marmalade Jim recognized the building in front. It was the market. Follow me, he said to Silver Muff. It was all that Silver Muff could do to keep running. I'm finished, he said. Only a little way now, Marmalade Jim told him, and they went into the market. And there was the farmer's lettuce lorry. It had just unloaded its boxes and was about to return to the farm. Quick, climb up here with me, Marmalade Jim cried, already on the back, and putting his paw out for Silvermuff. Silvermuff took it and was pulled up amongst the lettuce boxes, just in time because the driver, without seeing them, climbed in and started his engine. Dustbin Dan's alley cats swept into the market, and Marmalade Jim waved to them as the lorry moved out onto the road. Dustbin Dan made an angry leap that missed. Then he and his whole gang fled because a butcher, whose meat they had once stolen, chased them away with an axe. Marmalade Jim told Silvermuff he could spend the day on the farm and come back on the same lorry the next morning. They stretched out on sacks and boxes and went to sleep while the lorry sped along the tree-lined road. The End was the city adventures of marmalade gym i hope you guys didn't mind the voices uh i always found that doing voices kind of helps make the story a little more entertaining and i encourage you to do voices with your kids don't be afraid of sounding silly kids love voices and as long as you're not being rude about it i feel like voices are okay uh so let's talk about my dream cast who would i have play in this movie be honest with you I thought okay would I rather have it be an American story or would I continue to keep it English I personally would prefer to keep it English I think that this is a great story and I feel like there's a lot of British actors that would do wonderful in this movie let's talk about the cast so for Dustin Dan I would choose either Daniel Kaluuya I think is how you pronounce his name the guy from Get Out I think he would make a really great bad sounding guy or an Idris Elba type I think those guys could make a really good rough sounding cat for Marmalade Jim I decided I thought that perhaps uh, Ewan McGregor or Nick Frost or Simon Pegg would do good as that I feel like they could bring a little bit of silliness to the role but a softness that I felt like Marmalade Jim had for Silvermuff this particular cat was my favorite in the story and I really enjoy this British actor. His name is Gus Khan, and he is hilarious. He is in a show called Man Like Mo Bean, which is on Netflix. It is definitely not a kid's show. It is an adult show, but it's really great. It's a funny, funny show. Other voices. Uh, there are no real women in this story, and I don't feel like, okay, we need women in a story necessarily, because there weren't any girl characters but if you wanted to you could totally throw girl characters in this i'm again not the story writer i'm just choosing the stories that i think would make great movies uh for that though Susie wakoma she is in a show called oh gosh i am losing it right now it is called chewing gum 
she's in that one, and she's in another one where she plays a demon hunter, but she's really great. I love her acting. I think she would also make a great character in this story. For the farmer character, he's not in it very long, but I feel like Greg Davies, who's in a show called Cuckoo, that is also an adult show, but it's on Netflix. He's really funny. I think he would make a good farmer, and for the narrator, I go with the classic Michael Caine. Michael Caine is a great narrator. I feel like he's got a really soothing voice, and I enjoy him. Again, these are my personal opinions. They, You don't have to take them or like them, but if you are interested and in learning about any of these actors, you can go ahead and find them. Really, and that, on Google. <laughs> so, again, thank you guys so much for listening to this and supporting this. I hope to do this at least every couple of weeks. And if you guys like it a lot, I can try to do it more often because I do have time. And I, I really do enjoy this. So please forgive me for this being such a rough episode. As I learn more and get better at this, it will be much, much better. But I appreciate you sticking with me for episode one. This is episode one of This Book Should Be a Movie. And Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, evening, or whenever you guys are listening to this. Thank you.